Welcome to the Redeemed Community Church podcast, where you can hear sermons and devotionals from our church located in Toronto, Canada. Our vision is to be a Christ-centered community that makes disciples of Jesus for the glory of God and the delight of his people. In this episode, Pastor Justin preaches part two of this two-part series on the dangerous calling of leadership, where we see in Numbers 20 that every ministry leader is called to reflect God's heart to his people and model a true heart of worship. All right, good morning once again, uh, everyone who is here in person worshiping with us, as well as those who are joining us online. Uh, Today is a beautiful day, glorious day, because of not only the weather, but because it's Father's Day. So I want to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Uh, for, for those of you who on Father's Day, may, you may actually feel a little bit conflicted, uh, a little bit sad. Uh, maybe it brings up uh, some sad memories, bad memories of your father who, who maybe passed away recently, or you have an estranged relationship with your father right now. You know, we pray for you, our heart goes out to you, and we pray that you would experience the love of our Heavenly Father even this morning. So we're continuing our two-part mini-series on the dangerous calling of leadership. Again, this is within our larger sermon series going through in the wilderness, through the book of Numbers. But last week we looked at part one of parenting. This week we are looking at part two of ministry leaders. Now when I talk about ministry leaders, I'm referring to pastors, elders, deacons, ministry coordinators. So for those of you who are in charge of coordinating the ushering team, the praise team, the harvest team, the tech team, the finance team, the announcements team, the fellowship ministry, the sports ministry, and all of our future disciple makers. That's pretty much all of us who are serving. And it kind of just reminds us of how many uh, ministries we had going on pre-pandemic. And hopefully we will resume all of those soon, shortly. So this message on ministry leadership, it applies to all of us, whether or not you have a position of leadership in our church or not. Because our church's vision, not the formal vision statements, but in a nutshell, is that every member of our church would be a disciple maker. So every single person who signs up to be a covenant member, official member of our church, you are committing to completing the discipleship pathway and eventually being a disciple maker, defined as leading a small group or leading a discipleship group or being a one-on-one mentor. So some of us are already doing that, but all of us are on that path sooner or later. So again, this message of ministry leadership applies to all of us, and all of us need to learn these principles that we're going to see in today's passage. Now, what would you say is the most important quality for ministry leadership? Maybe you would think competence. I value competence. I think competence is pretty important. Or maybe you would say it's skills, abilities, past experiences. You don't want to be like someone who only had 
one day or one week of experience. You want to have years of experience. Or maybe you would say theological knowledge. You have to know the Bible. You have to be able to steer people in the ways of God. Now, all of these traits are very important. And all of these traits we can grow in, we can learn, we can be taught. But the most important quality, I would argue, and it's really hard, difficult to just teach and train someone in this quality, is the heart. The heart of a leader. And we see it all in sports movies. I don't remember the sports movie with Keanu Reeves, uh, the football one where he's the quarterback. And for some reason, he can't play anymore. And they bring in an all-star ringer to be on the team. And they start losing. And the coach says, we're missing heart. And Keanu Reeves embodied what it means to be a leader who led with heart. When I mean heart, I don't just mean passion. I mean the right heart. The heart that God looks for. The heart that pleases God. So in today's passage we'll see that there are two things, at least two things, that every ministry leader must do. The first is every ministry leader must reflect God's heart towards his people. And secondly, every ministry leader must have a true heart of worship. They must model a true heart of worship to the people that they're leading. So look with me at today's passage in Numbers chapter 20, verses 7 to 12. Numbers 20, 7 to 12. The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community, so that they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out. And the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. Let's pray together. So Lord, as we look at this topic of ministry leadership, this calling that all of us are called to, to be disciple makers, Lord, it is a dangerous calling. We know, Lord, from your word that those who want to teach, those who want to lead, will be judged more strictly. You will hold us to a higher level, higher standard. So God, I pray that right now that you would give us that solemn humility, to take this calling seriously. For those of us who don't see ourselves as leaders or future leaders or future disciple makers, Lord, I pray that you would encourage them to give them a vision, to give them hope, and to give them a clear direction that this is truly your will for every single one of us. 
And for those who are currently in ministry leadership, teach us what it means to have a heart that is pleasing in your sight so that we will become more effective in our ministry and we will bring you more glory, not glory to ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the title of today's message, once again, is The Dangerous Calling of Leadership Part 2, Ministry Leaders. So let's go through this passage verse by verse. Looking at verses 7 to 8. The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron, gather the assembly together, speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. So just to give you some context once again, this is a continuation of last week's passage. So the second generation of Israelites, the children of the faithless parents' generation, they are complaining, grumbling again, just like their parents did 38 years ago. Complaining about not having the luxuries the material abundance, and specifically water for themselves to drink and their livestock to drink. And so Moses and Aaron, we saw last week, they fall face down in intercession. They pray on behalf of the Israelites that God would show them mercy and not judgment, not wrath. Now God, we see in this passage, He decides to pour out His grace and His compassion rather than his judgment, rather than his wrath upon the second generation of Israelites. So God, what does he do? He, he gives Moses and Aaron two instructions here in these verses. The first instruction is to take the staff. Now, we don't know if this is referring to Moses' staff that Moses used to part the Red Seas, and even in, in Exodus, he struck a rock before and water gushed out. So it could be referring to Moses' staff or it could be referring to Aaron's budded staff. We don't know exactly which staff it's referring to, but either way, this staff represents, symbolizes God's authority. God's appointed leaders are not allowed to lead however they want. They can't just do whatever they want. They are only allowed to do what God tells them to do because they are acting on behalf of God, under His authority. And the second instruction God gives to Moses and Aaron, He says, speak to that rock. Again, there was a similar incident in Exodus chapter 17 with the previous generation where God tells Moses to strike the rock once, and water gushed out of the rock. But this is a separate, different event with the second generation. God doesn't tell Moses to strike the rock. He says simply, speak to the rock. This is supposed to be an even greater miracle than the previous generation witnessed. So these two instructions are pretty clear, right? All of us can remember it, right? First instruction, take the staff. Second instruction, Speak to the rock. So let's see what Moses does in the next couple of verses. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock 
And Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels. Do you notice what Moses does wrong here? Moses obeys the first instruction perfectly. He takes the staff, just as God commanded him. But the second instruction, Moses disobeys God. Instead of speaking to the rock, he speaks to the people. And what does he say to the people? He says, listen, you rebels. Moses lectures and scolds the people of God out of frustration. And understandably so. I mean, who wouldn't snap in his situation? Leading a group of people, first the parents, then the children, who grumble, complain day after day. If you've been around people who whine and complain day after day for 40 straight years, you are bound to snap at some point or another. Moses snaps. But in this moment, God, who is gracious, who is compassionate, who is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. God wanted to show his people compassion in this moment. And Moses, as a ministry leader, was called to reflect God's own heart to his people. But instead, Moses lashes out in frustration. Have you ever led or lashed out in frustration towards the people you're leading? towards other church members, towards your small group members, towards your team or group members, or the person that you're discipling. Or perhaps you're not as confrontational. You don't like to speak out directly, so you're passive-aggressive. You may not say the words, but in your tone, in your visible expression on your face, your body language, you are frustrated. And it shows to the people that you're leading, quietly brewing in anger rather than showing God's heart of compassion towards the people you're leading. So this is the first thing that Moses does wrong here. Now as the pastor of our church, the lead pastor of our church, I want to apologize. I want to sincerely apologize for the times that I have led out of frustration where I've allowed frustration to get the best of me. And I've been like Moses. You've probably witnessed it in the past. Frustration got the best of me in my leadership, in my preaching. And I did not reflect God's heart of compassion towards His people, towards our church. So I want to ask for your forgiveness. I want to ask that you pray for me, that I would grow in this area, reflecting God's heart, but also Examine yourselves. Examine your own hearts, your own leadership. When have you acted out in frustration? This is something that we need to repent of together, something that we need to grow in together to have God's heart for his people. So look at what Moses says next in verse 10b. He says, Must we bring you water out of this rock? This is incredible. In Numbers chapter 12, it says that Moses was a very humble man. More humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. And yet now, in Numbers chapter 20, Moses says, Must we bring you water out of this rock? As if Moses and Aaron 
have the power in and of themselves to do so. This is prideful. How prideful is this for even us to have this kind of mentality? For us to think that we have the power in and of ourselves to grow a church. Or we have the power in and of ourselves to change people's lives. Yes, it's true that God graciously, powerfully uses human instruments to lead His people to accomplish His purposes. But ultimately, it's God who grows His church. It's God who makes things grow. It's God who brings water out of the rock, not you, not me, not Moses. So how often do we act as if we are quote-unquote somebody? As if as long as I put my mind to it, I can accomplish anything, I can achieve anything because I know I'm talented, I know I have the hard work, the discipline, the, the talents, the giftings to do so. As if God should be grateful to have me on his team. John the Baptist, he said about Jesus that Jesus must increase and I must decrease. And yet as ministry leaders, how often do we spend time thinking about ourselves rather than about Jesus? Do we make much of Jesus or do we make much of ourselves? Constantly thinking about my gifts, my talents, my efforts, my successes, or my failures that shouldn't really be failures because I deserve better than this. When we should be focusing on Jesus. Look at this quote by Ian Duguid. He is a professor of Old Test Testament at Westminster Theological Seminary. He writes, In truth, much of our frustration in ministry comes from the fact that we have begun to see ourselves as the functional saviors. Remembering that it is the sovereign Lord who saves and sanctifies will deliver us from much of our frustration. The Holy Spirit is the one who is responsible for transforming His sheep, and He will do so according to His agenda, not ours. He continues, We want people to be fixed right now because it would give us a sense of personal satisfaction and achievement. We would then be able to bask in the glory of our work feeding our pride and our sense of self-worth. Jesus, however, bears His fruit in the lives of His people in His timing, not ours, so that it may be clearly seen that the work is entirely of Him. How true is this statement and this quote? If you've ever felt frustrated in ministry before, in leadership before, the reason you're frustrated is because you are consumed with yourself. You are thinking about yourself way too much. Thinking about your giftings, your efforts. Because I put in this amount of input, I should expect to see this amount of output. And when we don't see those results, we get frustrated. We think, what's wrong with these people? They're not responding to my good, effective leadership. But if we were to think more about Jesus, trusting in His sovereignty, trusting in His will, trusting in His ways, His timing, 
His purposes, and just being faithful to what God has called us to do, leaving the results up to God, we wouldn't have any reason to be frustrated. We're focusing too much on ourselves. So Moses, in his pride, in his frustration, he commits an act of defiance against God, and this is very serious. So look at what he does next in verses 11 to 12. Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I give them. So this phrase here, raised his arm, in the original language, in Hebrew, it implies a clear act of defiance against God. Moses disobeys God's word. Instead of speaking to the rock, he speaks to the people. And instead of speaking to the rock, he strikes the rock. Not once, but twice, out of anger and frustration. But beneath this behavioral sin, at the root of it all, Moses did not trust in God enough. Remember, every ministry leader is called to do at least two things. The first is reflect God's heart for his people. Moses didn't do that here. And the second is to model a true heart of worship. Moses also didn't do that here. What is a true heart of worship? It's a heart of love to God, a heart of gratitude, a heart of praise and adoration for all of His perfections, trusting in His character, trusting in His will, humbly submitting yourself to God in obedience. That's the heart of worship. But Moses does not trust in God. He doubts God. See, Moses is frustrated at his people, but ultimately, Moses is frustrated at God. And this is the same for all of us. Whenever you're frustrated in life, you're frustrated at your spouse, you're frustrated at your job, you're frustrated at the church, you're frustrated at whatever, waiting in line, drive through at McDonald's, any situation that you're frustrated in. On one level, you're frustrated at the thing that you see in front of you. But underneath it all, you're frustrated at God. Why? Because God is sovereign. God placed you in that situation. God brought you your spouse. God brought you to this church. God put you in that difficult job and situation on purpose. And so when we're not trusting in God's goodness, in God's wisdom, in God's sovereignty, His ways, His purposes, His timing, we are sinning against God. It's not just a simple, trivial, I'm frustrated, I'm annoyed. It is a serious sin, an act of defiance against God and His character. So Moses doubts God. He doubts His character. He doubts His will. doubts His plan, His purpose. He probably thinks, why would God put me in charge of this sorry group of people? If I was in charge, I would choose a better group of people. But 40 years wasting the prime of my life with this group, 
Why is God doing this? How is God good? How is this God's best for my life? So Moses has unbelief just like the Israelites. And so Moses and Aaron, they suffer the same fate as the Israelites. They are not allowed to go to the promised lands. They are disqualified because of their disobedience and their lack of trust in God. So this truly is a dangerous calling of ministry leadership. Again, ministry leaders are held to a higher standard, and we will be judged more strictly. So at this point, maybe you're thinking, if even Moses and Aaron were disqualified from going to the promised land, what hope do we have as ministry leaders and future ministry leaders? There's no way that I can perfectly reflect God's heart to His people. There's no way that I can perfectly model a true heart of worship, of faith and trust in God and His character. Who can actually live up to this standard? But this is the whole point of the Bible. Okay, everyone, pay attention. Eyes on me. You are not qualified. You cannot enter the promised land of heaven. Nor can you lead anyone else to the true promised land of heaven. We need a better leader, a better Moses. Later on in the book of Numbers, Joshua is chosen as the leader, God's appointed leader to take the Israelites to the promised land. The name Joshua in Hebrew is Yehoshua. Yehoshua literally means the Lord saves. Not Moses, not Joshua, the Lord saves. And another variation of Yehoshua is Yeshua. And Yeshua is the Hebrew name of Jesus. Jesus is the better Moses. Jesus is the ultimate leader. Jesus, the Son of God and the Son of Man, leads us to the true promised land of heaven through His own death and resurrection. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that Jesus was the true rock that was struck by Moses for our sins so that we would drink from the fountain of living water. At the cross, we experience the great exchange. Jesus takes our sins upon Himself, and we are credited and clothed with His righteousness. And only those who are united with Christ by faith are qualified to enter into the true promised land of heaven. But also, get this, only those who are united with Christ are qualified to be ministry leaders. Why? Because only Jesus perfectly reflects the heart of God. He is God. He's God in flesh. And only Jesus perfectly models the true heart of worship. So those who are united with Christ, Christ lives in you by His Spirit, and He will make you more and more like Christ in your leadership, growing your heart and reflecting God's heart to His people, modeling a true heart of worship. So ministry leaders, future ministry leaders, disciple makers, future disciple makers, I encourage you to abide in Christ. You cannot be a good leader on your own. 
You are not qualified. You will never be qualified. Only Jesus is qualified, and it's His Spirit in us who will make us more and more like Him. So spend time in His Word. Spend time in prayer. And the more you spend time with Jesus, the more you will become like Jesus. The people that we serve, they need to see more of Jesus and less of us. Less of, wow, that person is amazing. That person is a great leader. That person is a great singer. That person is a great preacher. Less of us. More of Jesus. We want people walking away saying, wow, Jesus is a great Savior. I didn't even remember the person who led that song. I don't even remember who preached that sermon. But Jesus, wow, Jesus is great. People need to see more of Jesus, more of His heart, more of His character, more of His power, more of His glory. So may we, like John the Baptist, confess daily, He must increase, must increase, and I must decrease daily. I need to go lower so Jesus goes higher. This is the key and the heart of ministry leadership. Thank you for listening to the Redeemed Community Church Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church or links to past Sunday service live streams, please visit us on our website at redeemedchurch.ca or you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash redeemedchurchtoronto as well as on Instagram at redeemedtoronto.com.